0: Welcome to episode five of Legal Fiction. Uh, Spencer, how was your past two weeks?
1: Ah, man, it's been good. It's been good. No more Renaissance fairs, but uh, I've just been uh, trying to get outside as much as I can with what limited free time I have. You know, weather's been good. It's been beautiful. It's starting to feel like summer. A little bit too much, you ask me. Uh, It's a little too much good. Uh, So I have to, you know, adjust and drink accordingly.
0: Oh, yes. I mean, for me, speaking of the opposite of outside and struggling, I watched Bo Burnham's newest Netflix special, Inside. Have you watched it yet?
1: I haven't yet, uh, mainly because uh, it seems like it's a fairly contemplative, kind of intense thing. Uh, it's it's
0: intense. I mean, it was amazing. It might honestly end up being the best movie that I will see this year, because it's very well put together it's less of a comedy special and more about what it's like to put together a special Um, but he wrote it directed it edited it everything all himself and it's all just him in a room over the course of like a year making this special he's always like had a really good finger on the pulse of like how social media and our generation is like declining mentally (laughs) as they get older uh, and as someone who's mm-hmm. like his age, I was just like, this one's hitting a little closer to home than his past specials. This one hurts, but it was amazing. So I would definitely recommend it. Of uh, right,
1: mine. Out, right out. And it's got a nice little, uh, I think we can all relate to it given that this comes out as COVID is Thanks starting sir. to somewhat, yeah. you know, knock on wood, subside.
0: Yes. And speaking of that, I went to my first post COVID wedding, And I forgot that I basically didn't go outside for an entire summer last year. And I forgot how goddamn hot Midwest summers are. I just was like, Oh, we're going to a wedding. I'll wear a suit, put on a wool suit. And I was just dying and it was Midwest. So it's a barn wedding, of course.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, Whatever bastard came up with that as a trend, like (laughs) should be tried for war crimes, okay? <laughs> like, the barn, like the first time you go to a rustic barn wedding, you're like, oh, how quaint and how cute, like how uh, how original. Now it's, now that it's become like a cliche, it's like, so you really want to get married in a barn? <laughs> like, I, I know it's been converted, but its original purpose is just for being pooped in. That's <laughs> That's what this is. This is a place for poop and for older animals to die while on a pile of hay all right cool yeah that's great uh but hey the woodwork's amazing so you know.
0: yeah so that was fun um wasn't too much uh that i saw of, like big sweeping legal news uh when i was looking up topics i kind of went more broad uh the first one most recently i think it might have been said that it was like somewhat photoshopped but there was the news conference of old donnie trump uh, looking like he was wearing his pants backwards um, at least no zipper on the front pretty implied that he's wearing a diaper now to underneath those uh, pants but he did come out and say that he was uh, on board for banning crypto and you know what i gotta give the guy credit maybe we need another four years of trump if he's gonna ban some bitcoin <laughs> assholes from lecturing me at the bar
1: you know what i'll, I'll give trump his due compared to biden at least he's not afraid to actually take a definitive position on something. <laughs> now, has he thought it through? No. no. Does he know what he's talking about? Absolutely not. Is he going to stick to it? Probably not, unless you remind <laughs> him that he thought that it was a good idea, and other people still think it is. Or
0: if you just tell uh, but, him it was his idea, like you can come. To yeah. With a good yeah idea, no. And be like, no, you told me this two weeks ago, and I'd be like, "I did. That's right. We're doing that."
1: Yeah, just get Sean Hannity to remind him every other night. And it'll be (laughs) fine. Like, just keep him on message. That's fine. That's how you manage that fucker. But good for him. Like, when I was, like, doing my taxes a while back, and I saw, like, they actually ask about crypto earnings and shit like that. I was just looking at that. I was just like, man, am I glad I am not a tax attorney who (laughs) first had to encounter this and be like, oh, boy. I had this last 30 years pretty well figured out now, uh, damn it. And, I,
0: I mean, look, we say on this podcast and every outro, none of this is legal advice, but like the whole point of crypto is that it can't be tracked. So I don't think they can tax you until you cash out and like sell it for like real money, essentially. Like if you're just right. trading crypto for crypto, like when I got that question too, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to disclose that I traded crypto for crypto. Like, you don't need to know that. Yeah, no. But again, yeah. not legal advice. Do not listen to me.
1: Well, well, and I also saw to that end, Uh, you know, when we had the... Uh, runs and short sellers on the doge value because i guess uh the space south africaner uh was on snl and caused it you know doge to plummet there was actually an outcry for some sort of quote unquote regulation or for someone to step in to like <laughs> as soon as prevent these money. types of runs and i was just staring at that dumbfounded i was just like you guys are yeah you're just fucking stupid smart enough to maybe be able to manipulate a fake currency and enrich yourself cool like there's cle- i mean that's clever it's resourceful but You're still stone stupid.
0: Well, I mean, and like the guy who made Dogecoin has literally said, he's like, I made it in like 20 minutes as a joke. I made it to be funny. And now it's like people are like betting their future on this. I think in college I bought like, I don't know. I think it was like a hundred bucks worth just one night in undergrad, like as a joke. I have no idea where it is. That's completely lost, (laughs) but I could be sitting on some money now, you know?
1: Listen, man, some of the greatest things come from jokes. I mean, uh, you know, look at uh, look at the duck-billed platypus. Look at Georgia, like as a state. (laughs) Like that was kind of a joke. Uh, It was like, yeah, let's just send all the prisoners from the new world down there. And I I, I guess now they have an outsized uh, impact on national politics. So so that's cool. One interesting current development I encountered was just the other night watching a soccer game. And it has nothing to do with movies of the law, but it'd been a while since I'd watched a United States men's national team soccer match. And it was against the none other, the L3, their hated rival, Mexico, played domestically in Denver. Brilliant match. Uh, the USA ends up with it 3-2, like arguably the most entertaining men, U.S. men's national team match i've ever watched outside of maybe some of the miracles they've pulled out in the world cup in the past but i only bring it up for two things one i guess uh fifa the international body uh that governs soccer which listener if you're not familiar is by no means progressive i mean they are funded by some of the most heinous and repressive like oligarchs across (laughs) the world like if, if you can think of some sort of villainous figure from like Anywhere in Europe or South America or the Middle East, that's them calling those shots. But uh, Mexico almost got a red card from the refs because their fans were shouting homophobic slurs in their chants, and like they stopped the game and like cautioned the crowd. I, I'd never seen that. Apparently, that's a new FIFA rule. They're taking a stand against bigoted chants, which yeah, you know, that's a welcome development. I thought that was interesting. Then the other fun thing was when the Mexican fans were tossing you know, half-filled drink containers, bottles and cans and cups down onto the field because there was an injured American player and they had to form a barrier around them. None of these uh, projectiles hit the injured player, but one full cup of something hit a Mexican player right in the face, like uh, around the scrum, which I found quite delightful at, 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 you know, 11 p.m. watching this soccer match go away, Just, just out of nowhere, just boop. And even the broadcaster goes, oh, and I think the fans have hit one one of their players with this onslaught. Yeah, I mean, if we've, you
0: know, learned anything with Pride Month, it's that companies like, you know, FIFA, Raytheon, they've always been for gay rights, right? Always. Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, I, I, You know, Joe, I think the first depleted uranium shell was actually made by a gay man and <laughs> celebrated for that fact. Yeah. You know, I think uh, you know, the gay movement has actually if anything had an outsized role in american international foreign policy and uh, war crimes uh, across the world yeah absolutely this is parody but to your point it has been a weird i mean it is pride month uh, yeah. happy and pride. happy pride happy pride and as you can imagine just like we saw like at length uh, at the height of the George Floyd protests and the like resurgence of the black lives matter movement. Listen, if you have a meaningful issue or cause that garners enough national attention, eventually just every marketing department is going to take seize on this and be like, how can we show solidarity, but not actually do anything. And baby, it's coming out in full force. I saw something from British petroleum, put it out, like, <laughs> you know, pride friendly stuff. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, because when I think of progressive organizations, I think the original oil company, like the (laughs) one that carved up the Middle East. (laughs) Like That's what I think of, Joe.
0: Yeah, I'm very sure that BMW is big on gay rights all throughout the world.
1: Well, listen, Raytheon is still going to sell weapons to Saudi Arabia. (laughs) Well, no, that's that's I don't have a joke. That's just the way it is. (laughs) But hey, like cool branding, bro. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just shocked that there would be such cynicism within uh, corporate marketing. Uh, even more for us, I mean, well, it sort of like reminds me of the, the CIA put out the <laughs> most like thirsty ad a couple weeks ago that went viral uh, and not all for positive reasons where it was just a monologue of a like middle-aged CIA agent you know, like talking about her career and her personal life and, you know, being, you know, the first in her family to make it to, college and uh you know person of color and listing off all of her things just sort of like a you know like she has imposter syndrome and it's like that's great so that doesn't affect your ability to uh delegitimize actual democratic elections in central <laughs> american countries it's like you know what you you know what you may have doubted yourself but damn it <laughs> You were going to push through and you were going to covertly fund those uh, counter you know, militias who were going to kill those uh, socialist activists uh, and their families. So that's cool. That's great. Yes. It takes yes. all kinds, man.
0: Uh, speaking of big business and being a slave to it, um, the <laughs> Libertarian Party had a very Libertarian take. I think it was the Libertarian Party specifically of New Hampshire.
1: God, anyway. live free or die can you imagine a crazier breed of fucking libertarian than the libertarians in new hampshire like well, if you're bored if you live in new hampshire you are a de facto libertarian I think they don't new pay hampshire income like, taxes there they're like, like it, the it,
0: most libertarian state right
1: oh they're, they're the cadillac of libertarian <laughs> states you know there might be some that surpass them like maine may be even crazier and more libertarian you know like, i mean it's just they so they can complement vermont so well though yep yeah it's a it's a veritable uh, sparta and athens uh dynamic uh,
0: but yes yeah, what was the tweet sorry go ahead.
1: libertarian party new hampshire legalized child labor children will learn more on a job site than in public school now i realize that there's a labor shortage quote-unquote for small businesses out there and that the right wing talking point being, well, we just gave out too much unemployment as a result of this like historic once in a century or two pandemic that totally shattered the economy and left millions without jobs or recourse uh, to be able to meet their basic needs. And now
0: you have governors being like, okay, no more unemployment benefits. You have to go back and work this shit job.
1: Yep. If you're needing your local governors to step in to force someone to take that shitty $9 an hour job that you're offering, uh, which is grunt work with with no meaningful benefits, no meaningful input or room for growth. And you're just treated uh, like a servant at putting that nicely.
0: Uh, well, these are the jobs too that remember when the pandemic was going on, these are essential workers. Like, okay, can you give us some pay? What? No, we'll just clap for you. Okay, isn't that enough? Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, and all the PPE you could want. Well, okay, no, we said that, but we're not going to get you all that. Uh, you're just going to need. You're fine. You can wash a mask at home, right? All right, you've got the mask. It's fine. Just, just, just and wash it. Up don't have every to shit. wear the
0: mask when they're in here too. So
1: no, no, absolutely not, absolutely not. And they can touch everything. So like, uh, just be careful. No, Legalize child labor. Children will learn more on a job site than in public school. I, I mean, that is just a, a refreshing take. Uh, because these guys just finally came out and just said it, which, hey, you know what? These are uncertain times, Joe. We, we, we stand at the precipice of a new era and dynamic of American politics. So why not reexamine just bedrock foundational things that we moved past more than a hundred years ago? And, <laughs> and not as just a matter of like decent of, of common sense public policy, but basic morality um no i think it's time you know what this is one of those situations where there are no dumb ideas there are no stupid questions joe i think we just put everything up on the whiteboard um and and we start uh, reevaluating these things you know
0: it was a very um burger king tweet if you remember that burger king tweet back on like international women's day where they were like women belong in the kitchen And then their next tweet was like, and that's why um, we're trying to hire more women and providing scholarships for them. Because if you look at the follow-up tweet to this by the Libertarian party, they're like, at the very least, the minimum age to work is a state's right issue. Federal minimum work ages are unconstitutional. So it was like, they made this statement and then they're like, well, eh, let's walk it back and give a little bit, maybe softer take here. Because, like, and I, I'm sure it was by design, but it just looks so funny that they're, like, everyone's just like, you're an idiot. And they're like, but there's an argument. It's like,
1: no, no. Yeah, just, just shut the fuck up. Just shut up. Uh, but, hey, uh, points to the libertarians for staying on brand. They really hate age restrictions on everything, whether it's... Uh, Whether it's uh, buying beer, working, or uh, the age of consent, uh, it's just uh, it's problematic for them. And you know what? I think we should uh, put this on the whiteboard. Uh, Both political mainstream political parties should uh, really suss out uh, whether or not we need these age of consent laws as are. I mean, you should be able to just contract that, no?
0: I mean, I think we found the true reason why they want the work laws because all the Libertarians have tired are tired of supporting their twelve-year-old girlfriends and having no dual income in their household.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Etsy shop's only going to take you so far. So, uh, so moving on
0: to uh, entertainment That's- news. <laughs> uh, there's two movies. Actually, they're both on HBO Max. Um, one has already came out. One is dropping the day after this episode drops. The one that drops, I'll start after. Um, this episode drops is in the heights lin-manuel miranda uh, it's about washington heights new york i i think he, he's from new york so maybe it's about his childhood or something i think it's Puerto Rico. i don't know i'm not the biggest fan i am probably eventually gonna have to watch it because of my wife i'm yeah. not too excited what about you well,
1: you're a good husband i could care less i'm not gonna <laughs> watch that uh i enjoyed hamilton within reason i, I, I don't really understand like... the, the the craze over it other than smart people want to like celebrate how smart they are by liking something sometimes and that's just kind of what hamilton was to me was just sort of a performative like oh it's amazing again but like and it's a good show like i recommend you go see it I, I think it's like innovative i think the music kicks ass uh the story's good enough uh but like yeah it's like like come on
0: yeah <laughs> i i wasn't the biggest fan of Hamilton. Like, I. Obviously, he wrote a musical I didn't, like, so he can talk shit to me. Yeah, he's already beaten us on that. But, like, it just felt like a fever dream of a theater kid, like what they would make as a musical, like the way it's all, like, snappy rap talk and, like, smiling the whole time to the audience. Like, it just, I did not enjoy it. But, hey, maybe this one's good and I'll eat my hat. But so far, not really that excited for it.
1: Conversely, Mm -hmm. though,
0: on HBO Max coming out now is I don't know what it is in the full series I think it's the third actual one in its line but The Conjuring The Devil Made Me Do It I think it's the third Conjuring but there's like six or seven in the Conjuring universe Um, I'll probably watch it just because it's a scary movie and I like it Um, we'll say uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren cool story but they were like the biggest grifters in the world uh, I think they're probably bigger grifters no. than you could say of Rosamund Pike's character in this. Like, everything they said was bullshit, but it's fun. <laughs> that's that's probably what I'll say about this movie.
1: <laughs> I uh had plans to watch that uh, the other night, and then I read a basic ass review in the uh, local Gannett newspaper, <clears throat> and and like they were selling it for me, and then I got to the bottom of it, and I'm like wait. So spoilers it it involves a waterbed.
0: All right. Well, it's in the 80s, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I I'll watch it. I, I'll just, watch it. I think it's a, it's a fun I think it's a fun franchise like if you buy in and are willing to be like moved yeah. and startled and thrilled like it's fun but like at, at, at a certain point, it's like this is kind of dumb but all right, let's go.
0: All right, the movie this week is probably the most recent one that we have done. 2020 film, I Care A Lot.
2: Good morning, Miss Peterson. I'm sorry to disturb you so early. The court has ruled that you require assistance in taking care of yourself. (laughs) I'm fine. I'm afraid it's not up to you to decide. The court has appointed me to be your legal guardian. What? You have to come with me. And remember, I'm here to help. My name is Marla Grayson. I'm just someone who cares. Marla Grayson, you've had amazing success. What's your secret? There is no secret, Peter. She forces them into the home, auctions off their house, and uses the proceeds to pay herself. Because caring is my job. I will grab your dick and balls, and I will rip them clean off. Big
1: deal maker. I know what you do here. Your hustle. Look at all these cash cows on your wall, just leaking money into your account. But Jennifer Peterson, she's off limits. She has very powerful friends who can make life uncomfortable for you.
2: How uncomfortable are we talking?
0: I love Marla Grayson.
1: Like you.
2: You only just met me. There's two types of people in this world. Predators Ah! and prey. Mm. I don't lose. I won't lose. I'm never letting you go. Oh. You're in trouble now. I am a fucking lioness.
0: Starring Rosamund Pike, Peter Dinklage, and Diane Wiest, uh, among other prominent actors. Made some headlines because Roseman Pike recently won a Golden Globe, I believe, for this one.
1: Great. Big whoop de doo. Man, I've got two Golden Globes at this point and three Grammys. All right. Uh, But like I said, 2020
0: Black comedy thriller starring Roseman Pike. And it deals with the conservator and like elder abuse sort of worlds.
1: Some of our uh, listeners are not law types and Others are law types, but who, like myself, don't work in elder laws. So, I mean, I think it's important for us just to sort of establish on the front end just what the hell, like, this area of the law is or involves. Like, what is a conservator? Yeah,
0: yeah. So, like I said, she is a professional guardian, but she's also basically a con artist is what we see in it. But basically she's the one appointed by courts to oversee the finances and care of people usually older who are deemed no longer able to take care of themselves. So you might get to a point where, you know, you have too many health issues. A lot of times it is someone who's older who cannot make the sorts of health care or financial decisions. So they appoint someone to do that for you. And a lot of times it's a family member, it's a spouse, it's a whomever, but in this one, it is Roseman Pike who set up just a whole business doing this where she drains the assets of the people that she gets appointed as a
1: guardian for. Yeah, and gets uh, pretty well paid for it too. I mean, yes. It, it seems like her rates are market rate. <laughs> in this. She's just super effective at it. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah, so Marla Grayson is her name in the movie. Um, it does say that it's ma- set in Massachusetts. I didn't really know that until I looked up the movie.
1: Yeah, I only saw it from the driver's license and I saw the mask plates and I assumed it was in friggin' Florida, but like, <laughs> I don't know why, but I just did.
0: No, you're right. That's like b- before I looked it up, I just assumed it was in Florida also because it like just looked really bright and like hot everywhere they were in the movie. So I thought it was like a Florida setting and it's there's a bunch of elders so
1: yeah i mean yeah and you're absolutely right on the lighting i don't think we've ever seen anything set in massachusetts remotely colorful or engaging there's always sort of that little hue of cigarette smoke <laughs> and desperation between the camera filter <laughs> and you the yeah, viewer is. uh i i guess we'll call that a, a an uh an aflac-esque <laughs> uh tinge
0: yeah so the the movie starts off with uh, a man who is not allowed to see his mother because Roseman Pike has been appointed as the guardian. He keeps trying to get into the uh, elder care facility. They won't let him in. Uh, Played by Macon Blair, who's one of my top favorite actors of the past couple of years. I think he's really good. He plays his part really well, but he's just like this desperate son who uh, he seems like he's kind of a loser. He doesn't really know his way around, but he's arguing with them to get in and then he's arguing in court about how she's a con artist she is just doing this to drain my mother uh but she still wins she is declared as the guardian and he goes up to her after and he's like i hope you get killed
1: this does a lot worse than that actually (laughs) but uh... yeah i
0: mean he, he goes on for a bit but she goes into sort of this like overarching like waxing about The capitalist system and how if you want to be you know successful in this world you have to step on people and you have to do anything you can to get over on someone else which is like a very big point of the movie is that like in this system like you have to be a bad person to get over like because everyone in this movie ends up being a pretty bad person to be successful
1: yeah and to that point too like we've seen this like This is not the first time you've watched a movie that, where the premise, like the entire film is actually premised on some sort of like self-involved monologue from the protagonist to like welcome you into their world or somehow justify their worldview, whether it be a criminal talking about, well, there's things to, you're either taking or getting took, like in a mob thing, like Ray Liotta, like, or cop movie, or if you're, if you're brain dead and enjoy that awful sniper movie with the dude uh you know the dude who plays Groot in the in, you know galaxy of the guardian movies um ben diesel oh no bradley cooper but like, or you're like yeah if you're into american sniper and you look at the world as okay. met involving wolves and sheep and we're the sheepdog like oh well, what a nuanced take you psychopath like my point is is like it's an effective narrative tool and does set a scene for you, but I hate it as a tool because it's asking you, like, by going through that as a viewer, you just sort of accept their premise being like, oh, yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah, oh, okay, fine. And as you will hear me complain about throughout this movie, I mean, it's a toxic movie. It is amoral, not immoral. It is amoral, which I know... Uh, leave it to me to, to get on a friggin' high horse, but I don't know. I, I think it's just garbage. And I think it, uh, I think this movie could be done better and less in a less toxic or amoral way, but no, they just kind of went for the American psycho meets elder law and probate. Let's go.
0: I took it very differently. Like I immediately saw it. I'm like, I'm supposed to not side with this person. Like I tell, I was like, this is a black comedy where like, they are a bad person, and they are the personification of what you should not do.
1: Okay, okay. So these are our these are our uh, competing views or theses. Uh, viewer, uh, consider both, and consider also what you feel about it. If you thought about this at all, if you just uh, as we go through the plot and what happens, where it doesn't happen, um, and see who's right. Okay, we'll have a little judgment on this. Okay. Uh,
0: so she has a partnership with a like. Doctor, uh, Dr. Doctor Karen Amos, who basically just brings her new old people who is like this person, like she's starting to have some memory issues. So maybe you could get one over on her. She has a new one played by Diane Wiest, uh, Jennifer Peterson. She's like, normally she's actually pretty healthy, but she's had a couple like memory issues that I could probably flub enough to a judge that you could get appointed as her guardian. Uh, they immediately get like an emergency hearing, which that was one part where I was like, man, like, this doctor had to really lie in the situation to get an emergency (laughs) hearing that, like, she is not able to take care of herself. So they, like, get Um, all this emergency hearing done. Marla immediately goes to her house, says, I'm your guardian. You need to come with me. And she's just like, what? No, leave me alone. Get out of here. But they force her out because of the cops. Diane Weese
1: plays that beautifully too, by the way. Uh, I mean, I I love it when... uh, uh, when Rosemont Pike's, uh, you know, paramour slash business partner uh, slash also co-psychopathic human being comes in to like, oh, hi, how are you doing? Well, let me help you. And just touches her. And, t- and she says, don't touch me. Like, just don't touch me. And that was a, I thought that was like a very, she wasn't overacting or anything. She was just a very human, frail moment being like, what are you doing? I can't believe you're in my house. But, and now you have the gall to touch me? get off like i don't know i thought that one actually like kind of set the tone for me in terms of like okay this is there's going to be a human element to this movie throughout
0: yeah uh, and what i did like along with the like the well playing by diane wiest of just like confusion and like anger there was the part where marla says like once she saw the cop she went along because most people are pushovers and i was like that's probably true for a lot of people like if you like were like hey i'm here to take you and you'd be like no and then they're like point to the cops so a lot of people would be like oh they're probably right yeah maybe i do need to go with them <laughs> so uh she, they immediately put her into this elder care they take her phone so she can't call anyone they start selling everything in her house they start remodeling the house to sell it uh while she's going through stuff in her house she finds a key she then goes to the bank as her guardian she's like i need to get into the safety deposit box that this key opens i guess since she is the guardian she can do that and it seemed a little iffy but i was like i guess if she has all the power of a guardian maybe she can she goes in she finds that there's diamonds stashed in there which immediately for me would tip something off like maybe this person isn't just some like random old person with no family but uh-huh. she doesn't uh, she doesn't think anything of it at least at this point Uh, A guy shows up to the house while they are remodeling it and asks for Jennifer Peterson. And she's just like, Oh, she, she moved. And she, the guy's just like, Oh, okay. And he leaves. And she's like, who, who are you with? And he just doesn't answer. He leaves. He immediately goes. And that's when we're introduced to, Peter Dinklage. Hell
1: yeah, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Sorry, uh, he, he's boss in this movie. He's oh, great. I, I love him, and
0: I like that. Like he's doing this role. Like for for the longest time, like he would only do roles that like his appearance made sense for. Like they're like, well, mm-hmm. we need a small person, and now it's like, no, he's just he's Peter Dinklage. He's a good actor. He can play
1: this part. Yeah, and maybe maybe it's just because. You know, like a game. I like a a normal human being. I enjoyed Game of Thrones, and I enjoyed him on it. And I'm familiar with him and other things too. But you know, oftentimes when a you know little person is cast in something, it's sort of like a statement. Or you you at least be like, oh well, that's interesting to to do that. But with this, I was just like, nope. Okay, no, yeah. So he's the mob boss. Got it. I did, didn't think anything of it. Like. And really, the movie doesn't make much of it either. Like, there's no, like... There's no
0: jokes about it. There's nothing, like, he's just, he's a scary mob boss. Yeah, don't fuck with him. Which I do like how he plays this mob boss, because he's, like, a mob boss, but also, like, a very, like, millennial mob boss, where he, like, he does, like, yoga and, like, weird workouts, and he drinks smoothies every day. And, like, it's just, it's a very funny, like, he's, like, this, like, vulnerable, like, emotional boss at the same time. Uh, so he plays that very well but the guy immediately comes to him and he's just like she's not there anymore and he's like he didn't think to ask where she was and so he forces him to go back out and look for her again they find out where she is they find out that this all has happened that she has been appointed as the guardian they put her in this home she has no contact with anyone so he immediately says "All right, send Dean Dean is just mob's lawyer
1: and boy isn't he
0: <laughs> i love this character because he does so well from god's not dead to where there was no thought put into like production and costume design they immediately went to this where they thought of every single detail in production and costume design because it's like this guy is dressed and you're like that is a slimy mob lawyer. He's all dressed up
1: nice and trying to intimidate her. His suit could bring down an airplane if the sun hit it right. Like, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And he plays it, you know, as a modern mob attorney should look and act. It's not like you know, your attorneys that you'd see as extras in like Goodfellas or, or Sessies. He's just like kind of fast talking, charming, warm and engaging. But at the same time he's got a hint of something malevolent behind his eye and it's not him it's just he knows who his clients are and, and what he represents and what they're willing to do if uh, extrajudiciously, if you will yeah like, he like, I, I, it
0: could make you very uncomfortable and then let's just say you won't be comfortable or uncomfortable forever after that she's like so I'm I, dead," and he's like i i didn't say that didn't say that
1: that was great that was such a great way of doing it
0: uh so then he he tries to offer her i think it's like 150,000 and she's just like well if you're offering me 150 you could give me 10 million and I was like damn all right all right that's a negotiation tactic he then takes her to court to try to get this guardianship dissolved which again this is a thing that i uh, noted in costume design here was he's dressed like in this like bright like white suit like just looking so flashy And I noticed every time that Marla is not in court, she's wearing these very flashy outfits, like bright yellow, bright green. But then whenever she's in court, she's wearing like black or navy blue. Like she's like very much Mm -hmm. understands being in front of the judge. She's like, I need to look reserved and I'm just doing this out of the goodness of my heart. I'm not doing this for money. So that was something that I I thought was very nice. Also, what was cool to see was the judge uh, is Clay Davis from The Wire.
1: Shit. Uh, man clay davis would totally be in on marla's hustle he'd totally be in on that but yeah oh let's well, go i'll give me points on the package here that's fine yeah let's well, old folks
0: yeah, someone would tell him and he'd just be like you should have just told me i would have let that fly I just cut me in
1: so mm-hmm. he
0: tries to argue the dean the mobbler tries to argue to get the case or the get the guardianship dissolved and he has all this like, this is an affidavit that the do- the doctor lied, and that this is all a big scheme to enrich herself. But what he can't produce is he can't produce anything that says he is the actual attorney for Jennifer because he's never actually spoken to Jennifer. He's the mob lawyer, and he can't reveal that he works for the mob. So there's no way for him to prove that he is an yeah. attorney. So he's just like, well, you have no standing. Here.
1: Yeah. To be fair, the the judge really doesn't have any options. Like, well. So how do I know you're her attorney? Well, yeah. how did you even get in here? <laughs> like, what?
0: Uh, So then, like, Marla starts putting together, like, this is someone who has got more going on than just a random old lady in uh, Massachusetts. Uh, her girlfriend and business partner, Fran, finds out that she- Jennifer Peterson died when she was, like, a little girl. And whoever this person is, mm-hmm. is not Jennifer Peterson. She took that identity. So she goes to her. She's like, tell me who you really are. And she just, she won't tell her, but she was like, wait, Dean came to see you. She's like, oh, you're in trouble. She's like, people are <laughs> going to mess you up. Marla then is like, okay. Like, which again, this, this elder care facility is terrible. Cause she's like, take away her like food and like water, like limit her. Uh, only let her go out for like an hour every day so I can like basically Mm -hmm. starve her out. Uh, And at the same time, Peter Dinklage, uh, his name is Roman in the movie, starts going to all the other like things, finds out the diamonds are taken. And he's like, all right, now this is a big deal. You didn't just take my mom, now you're taking my money. So he Mm -hmm. sends in uh, the first guy that we see, Alexi. Not
1: exactly... And this guy does not exactly strike me as the tip of the spear for a mob operation, <laughs> uh, especially in enforcement. Now as a driver courier, sure. Sure. But uh, I, I don't see this guy be like, all right, boys, follow me over the, <laughs> over the trench. We're going in, in that regard. It made it that much more authentic, I guess. You yeah. Know? I thought
0: it was, it was kind of funny that like, he's a mobster, but he's not like an intimidating mobster. He's just like this like bumbling sort of mobster the whole time. Like he, so they go in and he's like acting very like, like just like a goober the whole time being like, Oh, my dad's looking to stay here. So we wanted to come tour. He's got two of his buddies with him. They tour the whole place. And he's like, my dad is good friends with uh, Jennifer Peterson. We really wanted to say hi. And he's like, ah, only her guardian can see. Her. And he's like, how about that? I'll call the guardian. And he's like, then you he can, he's like, okay, sure. And he just tases him. Good. They take out guns. They go and take her. This is the first movie on our podcast that someone, I think, dies because I think the security guard, guard I think, is dead because they get into a shootout with the security guard and he gets shot square in the chest.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, Joe. And this is also another first. It's the first time I've ever seen a heist taken at a uh, senior living facility. Uh, And moreover, it's the first time I find myself rooting for the people trying to commit a kidnapping. (laughs) Uh, Like, uh, this is a whole series of firsts. This movie uh, kind of rules in that regard.
0: I know, it's funny because they're like Russian mobsters, but you're like, they're actually in the right here. Like, I'm actually rooting for the Russian mobsters here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm willing to overlook the, uh, you know, cutting off of fingers and, you know, uh, bleaching all traces. And uh, yeah, no, that's that's fine, man. I mean, right is right here, okay?
0: They almost get all the way out. He has the gun. He forces the orderlies to let him out. But then it was kind of dumb because Roseman Pike is just hiding behind like a pole and just like comes out with a bat and like hits him in the head. And I was like, you didn't see that the whole time. You're being careful going out. Uh, Also Peter Dinklage. I didn't like this decision here. Peter Dinklage was just sitting in the parking lot in a car waiting for and she almost makes it all the way to the car before the orderlies like grab her. And then that Mm -hmm. car Granted, it's got tinted windows, just, like, drives off and leaves, but the cops don't think to, like, stop that car that was right there that she
1: was running for. Yeah, but you know what, Joe? Like, to your point, though, like, Dinklage, mob boss, sophisticated mob boss, normally doesn't, like, hang out at the scene of the crime where his henchmen are at, but he's there to pick up his mom. So, like, that's, like, a little bit, you can understand that, like, he would want to oversee that he would risk that for this and especially to be fair as a calculated risk like well, what the fuck's gonna happen my guys are gonna knock over a old people's home like like we're, we're what are the risks here uh there isn't a john McClane like <laughs> resident in there who's gonna get into the duct work and take us down
0: and like i've been to a few different elder care facilities just with like family members and stuff. I've Mm -hmm. never been to one that has an armed guard.
1: Yeah, maybe older folks in Massachusetts are fucking tougher customers, man. Uh, Here in the flyover states, uh, yeah, yeah, I I agree. I've been to a number in my life and like, yeah, I don't think I've ever encountered a security person, (laughs) let alone an armed guard. Or did I have any indication that there were like automated locks and things like that around the facility like like, like some disturbing ones, shit
0: like i've been to the ones where like you go through one set of doors there's like a receptionist or something that you say like i'm here to see blah 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 and then you get like unlocked for the second set of doors to get through but i've never been to one where it's like a guard with a gun being like who are you here to see and has to like wave his badge to let you in
1: God, what an awful job being security! I'm sorry. Oh God,
0: you would think pretty like mundane, but not at this. Uh, not at this one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they they do capture the one mobster, and they're interrogating him. Which uh, this mobster is a listener of our podcast because he does not say one word to that damn cop when she's questioning him.
1: hmm Good listener. Good listener, I hope all of you are taking these messages to heart, okay?
0: Uh, so they do find out, though, that just through their own investigation that he is a supposedly dead Russian mobster. Uh, they thought that like he and like his brother, I think, is what it was, they thought died in like a fire a long time ago, which I didn't understand, uh, or I'm sorry, he and his two other brothers, I think it was supposedly died which i didn't pick up but apparently peter dinklage and this guy are brothers uh but peter is the boss and this guy's like the lowly henchman
1: yeah well you know not all of us not all of us are blessed with intellect or leadership skills and peter dinklage has those in folds much like myself it's a heavy burden but we, we carry it and we go on
0: so peter dinklage is very unhinged angry at this point so he just sends a henchman i don't necessarily know how he found out that this doctor was maybe he just knew that that was his mom's doctor, but he sends a henchman to the doctor's office, has her killed as like a message to Marla.
1: Good, <laughs> good. good
0: doctor. Not a good doctor.
1: Also, that the, the, the actress playing her, and I should have actually prepped this better uh, in terms of that guys or that girls. Uh, but yeah, you know, she's been in a number of things, but I most remember her for playing that awful awful fiance of Christopher's cousin in the Sopranos she plays the production like gaffer in that one yeah that's her in the when Christopher in the Sopranos wants to become a screenwriter she's the redhead that he like kind of falls for and starts uh messing around with just so uh on the off chance that he can get his screenplay in front of John Favreau which, you know, spoiler, he does uh, for you non-Sopranos heads out there. Uh, new, new, new rule here, Joe. We need to do a Sopranos check for each movie yeah. we do here. Just sort of, like a, sort of like a conflicts check. We need to just make sure there's no Sopranos ties uh, just so, so we're on, on notice.
0: Uh, I'm almost through my Sopranos rewatch. I'm on the second half of season six. And I, 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 I'm, I'm dreading clicking to next episode because I just know that it's going to end forever soon. But yeah. uh, so so he has the doctor killed. Um, Marla and her girlfriend Fran. They talk. Marla's like still wanting to go ahead with like everything. She's like, "Nah, we're fine." And Fran's like has to kind of like knock some sense. And be like, "They just killed someone."
1: So she's like, "Okay." And so they, mm-hmm. Joe, you don't understand. Marla's a winner. She doesn't lose. She's got to do this. Who cares? So there's a few armed ragamons who may have mafia ties. So the like linchpin of our operation just got murked uh and now that that obstacle's out of the way i'm the last one here but now i'm a winner i'm a driver baby things are gonna change i can feel it
0: and i I think that's a little bit of like the screenplay of like it's like i don't want to say parody but like pointing out like how like she is not a good person because even with all this in her face she's still being like nah we can push forward and Fran even though she's immoral herself is like that voice of reason being like do you not get it someone just got killed because of what we do and it takes someone that close to her to be that person to finally knock some sense into her to be like okay maybe you're right maybe we should go into hiding so they take all their patterns of unsold property from the elderly that that they've taken over and they move into one of them to like hide for a while but uh she also goes to uh jennifer's and be like tries to just like be like who the hell are you and she basically just like tells her she's like i'm gonna make life terrible for you like i'm gonna make it unbearable uh diane weiss just tries to choke her out
1: yeah yeah, and Diane Wiest is like drugged out, like they are putting her on all sorts of forced drugs right now, which, uh, you know, that's a thing that happens at these facilities. It's a very real thing. This isn't art, whether it be, uh, you know, an assisted living or a retirement home or a facility for folks with mental problems or mental health issues. They just like ply you with drugs because and keeps you compliant and keeps you docile uh, and you move on. Yet, like you said. Diane Weiss, like drugged out, is like, nope. I'm gonna. I, I still got a little something here. I, I, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give this bitch the old Detroit two timer. Okay, I'm, I'm just gonna
0: good headlock because she's like, uh, uh, help. <laughs> it's all a ploy again by Marla because she takes the video of that, shows it to the judge, and is like, she's obviously gone very off the deep end. We need to put her in even more intensive care. So she gets put in like a psychiatric ward from this hmm so then she takes one of the diamonds to like a contact of hers basically they're gonna like fence it for money uh while she's leaving though she gets kidnapped in this really cool scene where she just gets like ace ventura blow dart to the back side <laughs> yep
1: and <laughs> that's pretty much what that is yeah i mean it has
0: like the red like tail on it and everything But like very smooth, like this lady comes up. She's like, oh my God, what happened? And she's just like, I think I got, and she just passes out and the lady like catches her, throws her in the trunk and takes her away. Like a very smooth operation. Uh, She then wakes up in like some industrial plant with uh, Peter Dinklage as Roman. And she's still just like, which I think again is like the script writing and like the screenplay here. She's just like, yeah, I'm probably gonna die. Like a normal person would be like, okay, whatever you want. And she's just like, give me 10 million.
1: And he's just like, well, you're bold. (laughs) Props to Dinklage for playing that right too, because he—I mean, part of that's the script, but the other part is just him. He could have just tried to be a little bit more menacing, but he looked at this as a clearly, I have all the cards here. Yet you're still (laughs) insisting this is a business negotiation. I respect the hell out of that. (laughs) I mean, he's had plenty of dudes and probably ladies in that chair in that proverbial quarry that they're in i think he's taken uh beside himself and they're like huh wow appears someone might equal or at least what i fashion might equal this is bold yes.
0: yes which i thought was funny she like has done some research on it. she's like you and your brother faked your death you were part of the cleveland russian mafia which i thought was such a funny city to pick as like where they came from because i was like imagine like not only do you get killed by the mafia, but you get thrown in like the Ohio River.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, and that way, I mean, the Russians don't even have to do their normal treatment for you. They're <laughs> like, no, the Cuyahoga will take care of all sides. Like, w- we're good.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> like, don't worry. Everything in that river, they won't find the body. It'll get eaten away. He, he balks at her offer. Like, he's just like, very, uh very bold, but I'm still going to kill you. So they chloroform her. And knock her out, set up a very like mob style uh assassination where they force vodka into her, they put her behind the wheel, they put a brick or whatever on the accelerator, force her down the hill to go into the water. She wakes up right as the car is going off the hill, mm-hmm. breaks out of the car, swims all the way up, which is a really cool shot when she's like swimming up in like the dark water. I thought that was a cool shot. She gets all the way to the shore and She like screams because she's just like, I think that's like honestly her breaking point where she's like maybe realizing maybe this isn't worth it because at the same time she like rips out a tooth from her like mouth. I think from when uh, Peter punched her in the face.
1: yeah That gas station scene is is intense. It's sort of like she's just down to it, man.
0: That I think is my favorite scene in this movie because it's so funny but also like so like just like menacing at the same time like she's like still in this like cold calculating like attitude when everything bad has just happened to her and she has no like way of getting out of it like she comes to this place she's sopping wet she gets a thing of milk to put her teeth in which i looked up i didn't know that's the way to preserve a tooth once it gets knocked out uh she then grabs a ton of stuff and she's just like i'll use your cell phone for 50 bucks calls a cab to go back to her place. And they're like, you can tell, like, she is still determined at this point, even though like most level headed people would be like, I think I should cut and run. I just survived a mob hit. Probably should get out of town. She saves Fran, uh, which this was like a very movie moment where like they just they kid they broke into the place, beat her up, and then turned all the gas on, which I'm like, ah, I mean. A normal mob hit, they would have just killed her right there, but whatever. It's cool for the movie where she... Like yeah,
1: I think that was... I think that was... I mean, their goal was to make it look like an accident, you know? True. They've already got the one doctor killed. Any, any detective could connect those dots uh, if they knew it was a murder. I mean, but if it was just a suspicious death or explosion, whatever, but Rosman's Pike's uh, paramour put up a hell of a fight. It was it was good scrap, good resistance... Uh, but again, I this was a first for me. I found myself rooting for the ruthless <laughs> criminals trying to like hurt a woman in some sort of home invasion situation. I was like, I don't think I've ever been there. But I'm like, yeah, no, finish it. And then they did. They're like, all right, we'll turn on the gas. And I go, well, that's not going to do it. Like, this isn't going to work out the way you want. No, this bad person needs to get got, all right? So
0: they uh, they- Uh, She saves her. They drive out of the house. It explodes as they're driving away. She then tells uh, her girlfriend, Fran, she's like, we have two options. I have hidden the diamonds. I can go get them. We can get out of here and we can never have to worry about this again, or we can get revenge. And Fran says apparently get revenge which i was like that's kind of uncharacteristic of her throughout this movie because this whole movie she's been on like we need to get out of here like this is not the situation that we thought it was we should cut and run so i it was a little uncharacteristic but it was very much they needed to tie up the movie so i understood it they is another cool scene
1: she, mm-hmm. she
0: she like fakes that she has a meeting in the big building where Peter Dinklage has his office. She then slips into the parking garage. She, uh, I think, tases the driver, hides his body really quick. Then when Peter Dinklage gets in the car, opens the door, shoots him up with a sedative, uh, <coughs> shoots the other guard with a taser, drives off with him. Very cool scene, uh, which I didn't understand this Action either, but they just strip him naked and leave him in uh, a forest. And I don't know if it's like she foresaw what was going to happen with a guardianship, but they leave him for naked and they torch his car. So I don't know if they're just trying to send a message. Because with me, I'm like, that's a Russian mob boss. You probably don't want to just send a message. If anything, probably just go and kill him, and then
1: run. No, no, no. That was her goal. That was her goal. It was flipping the. It was to flip the tables uh, or turn them rather. And yeah, like a young guy like him who speaks as you know, articulately as he could, like, you know, uh, you know, they come up on him, kind of passed out by a flaming vehicle and in clothes. That's one thing like, all right, buddy, you got some questions to answer. He's naked though. That just makes her case stronger for, well, clearly this, this fine gentleman uh, is going through something and he needs our help and the courts to be able to handle his affairs. Yes. Uh,
0: so he, he wakes up in the hospital and I think it is like part of her plan but he she's like you remember you don't have an identity because you faked your own death and like you were found with nothing so you've been labeled a John Doe and guess who's your guardian? Her. She basically says I will release you and your mother from my guardianship for my original offer of $10 million. And this is a scene I know that you weren't a big fan of this part. I didn't like it that much, but I liked that it came from him because he says, I can give you your 10 million. what about if we just go into business together? Cause I've seen how much money you can make and how good you are and conniving and we can make a lot of money together, which I liked that it would came from <sighs> because if she was like, how about instead of giving me the 10 million, we go into business together, you would, that'd be like dumb because they haven't played up that relationship where she could turn him like that. I think with the earlier uh, torture scene where he was like impressed by her offer, that was a setup for him to then be like, you know what, you've bested me, let's go into business together and make a ton of money. And so I was like, okay, cool, cool. Uh, But I know that you were not a fan of how that scene played out.
1: No, and... To your point, it is interesting and it makes it better that Peter Dinklage was the one to sort of like present that option of like, well, I could just take a bite out of my illicit savings uh, to be done with this or I spot an opportunity like that that's a nice little gloss to put over what is inherently the payoff for a very corrupt and just amoral story uh like we're we're, like i'm sorry and i know this is old-fashioned but this movie to to think that bad people deserve bad things to happen to them in stories that we tell each other otherwise what's the point uh sometimes the stories are all we have bad people succeed all the time and to which you go oh well no but that's the point it's kind of savvy it's both a commentary on her and it's also transgressive and i go okay fine this movie isn't actually smart enough to be doing that all right it isn't good enough to get away with that at this point this is just sort of like a weird cheap like psychotically indulgent thing that people can look at it's pretty okay it's colorful Rosamund Pike's like wardrobe and her affect and her like appearance is stunning like and like and I shat on her golden globe earlier like no she deserved that like like, good for her like her, her performance is great but it, this speaks to something deeper and more sinister in our collective uh, movie watching zeitgeist, where the students like went and did this, and it and uh, that bears out by how popular this is. It's like everyone, like no normal person or you know, sane person, I should say, would be like, watch, would admit to watching that being like, oh, well, yeah, sh-, and say anything other than, well, yeah, she's bad, like, like no, okay, no, I'm not saying that she's a model character but i'm saying is this is a vehicle for some sort of a weird indulgence in that like oh that's what i would be like if i forced if i like got pushed over the edge and realized that life is just about takers and taken you know winners and losers that go about that like and this is just some sort of weird fantasy fulfillment process and like i i
0: think i don't you know watched that, this I, movie when you had a bad day i think someone has messed <laughs> with you <in> or <laughs> got one over on you and you were have you were angry because i did not take i took this movie very much as like she is a bad person like we are like making fun of her and doing a black comedy with her as the subject to get her come comeuppance uh i could talk more. but about if we're that. making
1: but if we're making fun of her then why do we make her look so cool why does she end, end up, said for no, like why American does she.
0: Psycho, like there's people who watch American Psycho and they're like, man, Christian Bale is so cool. And I'm like, that's not the point of the movie. The yeah, the movie no, but that, I mean, that's. Guy. And that's
1: that,
0: what I, think I this movie is too.
1: And that, no, I'm saying this movie falls into that sphere, but like Bateman's, it's much more patently, uh, you know, parody and criticism. This, it's less so. Because for one thing, it's, things it's, don't it's work more technically more like work like out for bait.
0: Action, I, I could see that, but I yeah. think that the sentiment is still there. It's not executed as well as American Psycho. Okay,
1: okay, right. and that gets and that gets my point. That what I said earlier, like this could be a transgressive or interesting commentary thing if it was done better, but it's not. It doesn't hit those points. It's just trying to piece together the plot real quick, make things look cool, make sure everyone knows they're aligned, Bada bing, bada boom. We got a friggin' movie from Netflix.
0: I think that's where it suffered too was it was a Netflix movie and Netflix movies always kind of have that sort of stigma. It's like, if it's good, it's really good. Or it's just like, well, you had fun. And so I think like, I think Netflix movies, they have that where it's like, Oh, maybe it's just like, it's a movie that's fun to watch and no harm, no foul, but they, they'll never be like that sort of like, there's not a Netflix movie that I can think of that came out. That's like, this is the pinnacle of cinema. Cause they just, they unfortunately don't have that sort of like pomp and circumstance around their releases that like other studios do. So I think that maybe made it suffer, but to continue with the plot, she accepts this uh, position as the CEO, which I thought was kind of weird that he made her co-owner. I'm like, really? You're going to give her all that control over the business too. But mm-hmm. he becomes like super rich and powerful. She's there's this whole like ending uh, monologue by her where she talks about like, essentially she is a winner in this life and she has done everything and she's ready to like, she took her chances and now she's a billionaire and all this. uh, But as she's leaving that TV show for her interview, which I thought was kind of funny. um, The interview is very clearly on like a CNN or like MSNBC money.
1: Uh, CNBC. I believe that's That's a CNBC CNBC standard or Fox business. uh, And, I thought that was handled very well and I thought it tied in well nicely with her closing monologue and I thought it was that was good commentary in that it presented her with her public face super quats like as you put like well-dressed but not brashly so like oh well this is a you know this is a a Sharon Sandberg or whatever her name is from Facebook like this is like a leading business figure and look at her like she's well-spoken but reserved and plain and like Oh, well, isn't she likable to you, the viewer watching the news? Uh, you don't think much of it. When in reality, to get into that seat, to be getting asked about, so how much money are you worth right now? I can't believe it. You have to be, uh, most of the time, a cunning, ruthless oh, throat stepper. Yeah. Like, And that's what she is.
0: So what I thought was funny was it's very clear, like you said, a CNBC, like very large scale production. But then the studio she's leaving is very clearly like a small local news station, which was at was one point. I was like, that doesn't really make sense. That's not like where CNBC would be headed at.
1: Uh, nope. So she, You're right. You're right.
0: So she's leaving that she has like a Ferrari or something that she drove up for the interview. So they're leaving to, uh, to get to their car, making Blair guy from the very beginning who was barred from seeing his mother. He's just like, Hey bitch. And he walks up and she's like, I don't have time for you. And he just, point blank shoots her right in the chest she starts bleeding out there's still some of her monologue playing at this point he gets tackled by security she bleeds out and dies right there in the parking lot which i thought was a nice sort of like ending to the movie where it's like she does have some sort of comeuppance at the end of the movie there's an argument to be made like is that really a good punishment for her like did she really ever suffer did she really ever see any sort of like punishment for her actions no honestly not really she just got shot no at the end which i thought was kind of like a good but also like not good which is why i liked it where it's like yeah she deserves so much more punishment than that but like she got away almost Mm -hmm. like basically free and the person who really suffered the most was Fran because she like had to be along for all this stuff because she loved her and then she has to watch her die so it's like
1: oh, well, Fran's awful, she's evil, she's the henchman, man.
0: But I did like how it was like, it wasn't a satisfying end to Rosamund Pike's story because you're like, ah, she deserves so much more there.
1: So... And it seemed a little stilted and abrupt how it ended, which can be effective in a movie, but I, like, I like that's an abused, I think that's an abused trope, uh, Within films, we'd be like, oh, hey, remember this guy from the opening scene that you totally forgot about because the stakes have totally changed. We've taken you through all these winding plots and this comes back and gets you like, listen, like on paper. Yeah, that's a great trope, but it's been done a million times. And it just kind of stood stood to me, given the the weight of what this woman has done and is planning to do, it seems just sort of like a little cheap, like, oh, you see? There's your moral lesson. She got shot. See, she, she uh, repped what she sewed. But for me, I was like, oh, that was kind of cheap, man. Yeah, but that's, uh, that's what
0: I like. Where I was like, it wasn't really like a moral lesson. Where like some people might look at that and be like, well, she got shot in the end. I'm like, yeah, but like that wasn't a good enough punishment, right, for her, which is what I kind of liked about it. So yeah.
1: that's- You know what this movie is? This movie's arc is, and I just realized it while talking, this movie is the bizarro American beauty. Okay, now hold on. Uh, and caveat: I am by no means endorsing uh, Kevin Spacey uh, and his problems. Uh, that's a also he may be having a movie coming out here soon. Way to go, Kev! Way to way to rebound. Jesus, American Beauty starts out with that monologue, much like hers, sort of like detailing his. But instead of him, instead of being a boss like takes no prisoners, there's only winners and losers, and I'm going to win is much more sullen and kind of introduces you into his very unspectacular, but inoffensive life. And then over the course of the movie, you know things go sideways and get weird and he 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 evolves or devolves, however you wanna look at. And then once you feel that you've kind of reached a, oh, so this is how it's gonna go for him for the rest on, uh, then just out of nowhere, just someone comes up and just shoots him. And that's the end of the fucking movie, like just that abrupt thing. And then fades out with that sort of monologue you know, sort of being like, oh, well, I'm dead now, but here's the thing. <laughs>
0: like, I don't know. So that's that's the, the end of the movie. Um, this is kind of a more, not as much legal movie as ones that we've talked about. It overarching like talks about like the elder law and like conservator industry. Um So there aren't as many legal points that I picked up when I was looking at this. The only ones that I really picked up on was the whole like emergency hearings where they just like very quickly got that done. And it seems like she does that for almost all of her, uh, wards that she gets as a guardian for, which I was like, okay, red flag. Yeah. If someone kept coming in and be like emergency hearing, emergency hearing, I'd be like, what's going on here? So that was the one part I was like, not really believable, but whatever. Like that wasn't a big thing to me. I didn't know if there's any legal points that you
1: Now, in terms of X's and O's, if you will, or points of order, like, I mean, the legal aspect of this is kind of minimized. There's some courtroom stuff, but really it's the legal issue that gets thrown into relief. And then they just sort of accept that as a a conceit for the purposes of the narrative, which is fine. But I mean, it's something that, you know, candidly, uh, spoilers, I don't work in elder law. You know, I don't work in probate or estates or anything like that. Um, Like I've dabbled here and there, but like, I don't, do that. Uh, Joe, I don't think you do much of that either. But I mean, I mean, this is there's an area of the law uh, that services an area of life that, you know, listeners that especially younger listeners, we really don't think about at all until a loved one is in it. And then there is a veritable economy for it. And it's underneath the surface. And then you are only familiar with it until you're there and are not equipped. You don't know what to make because there's not too many movies or TV shows telling you what to expect or what's normal, what's not normal, anything. You haven't been conditioned for this. And so that's what makes this an interesting movie because a lot of people started talking about like, wait a minute, like between this and the Britney Spears documentary and like her legal rights getting taken away by her folk or by her dad, more accurately, like folks are like, oh, wait, that's a thing. It's like, yeah, no, that's a thing. That's, that's part of the law. And it, it's affected so many lives and families you know, in, in our legal system. And if you think this is beyond a pale or outlandish, like, yeah, it's a movie, it's a little bit extreme, but just Google you know, elder care and like, I don't know, uh, conservator abuse and you will find, chances are your state's newspaper or a regional newspaper or national newspaper will have done a deep dive and expose on abuse rampant in this legal system and not necessarily abused by the people running the facilities i'm talking about the attorneys involved here okay the ones who have a profit motive to keep churning these things or maybe burn that estate a little bit faster it happens now is it uh as easy as rosman pike makes it look no you know but it does happen and i i, I so for that i think it's it, it's an interesting movie but uh Motion to strike, Joe. What would you like to see uh, uh, um, removed from this?
0: Yeah, so I, I tried to think about this. I watched the movie last night just to refresh, and I tried to think about what I would want to take out from this movie, and I I couldn't think of much uh, in terms of striking. I can see stuff that I maybe wanted to add where like maybe there was like another point where Macon Blair came back in. So maybe he was still fresh in the mind when he came out in the end. I, uh, even the first time I watched it, I was like, I feel like that, that guy's going to be more involved. And, they, and I did somewhat forget about him, but just because I knew him as an actor, I was like, he's kind of a bigger mm-hmm. name to just be a small guy. So I was like, yeah. and then when it happened, and I was like, Oh, okay. That's why. Uh, but in terms of motion of strike, I couldn't think of a a lot in terms of the characterization of all the characters I thought every character that was in it had a good part and like role that they played like there was no person in the movie that I thought should be struck
1: uh it was pretty tight the whole movie's tight too there's not a wasted scene like and to its credit it's a very well-made movie that's normally fodder for this you know my motion to strike i suppose just rests on philosophical grounds mainly like well the whole thing should be thrown out so uh that really doesn't qualify so i guess we're just going to pass here and wait for summary judgment you know uh
0: but yeah and then the other segment that we normally do is what kind of uh person would this character be in law school i don't think anyone besides dean went to law school in this movie um And Dean, I don't think we have enough of a characterization to really know what he was in law school. So I don't, unless you had some thoughts on maybe- Wait,
1: so you don't think Rosamund Pike's character went to law school? I think she's just a professional
0: con artist. Like, because you don't need to be an attorney to be a conservator. Like you can just be someone who is well-equipped to take care of someone- so I, I don't think that she went necessarily went to law school. She bills like an attorney. She she bills hourly and all this stuff, but you don't need to do that to be an attorney. I, I yeah, I,
1: but I I think she clearly it's implicit that she's an attorney on this. I see.
0: Mean. I just thought she was like she's a professional con artist and she just like somehow because there is a scene with her mother. Or at least they show her mother and they're like, "What about if we go kill your mom?" She's like, "I don't give a shit about her." So I think <laughs> that kind of like played out where she's just like she didn't have a good home life so she just was one of those people that was like i'm gonna get rich or famous all on my own and i'm gonna do whatever it takes to get that so i just thought saw her as like she's a she's a hustler basically no okay
1: okay no, i'll did buy that
0: law school i guess because i didn't have that what did you think she would have been
1: i mean she went to law school uh She wouldn't have been an outspoken person. She wouldn't be your typical gunner or anything like that, nor would she be some sort of activist in student organizations. She wouldn't be, uh, but nor would she be pretending to like be trying to save the world. I think she would just uh, reflect whatever group of, you know, law students or professors she was around. I think she would smile and i think she would say the right thing which is often the fewest things possible and then just uh learn and then in any interaction she's in is just sort of like surveying and learning and exploiting and looking for like you said she's a hustler looking for uh you know looking for scams looking for marks looking for looking for outs yeah. so
0: yeah she would definitely have the best outfits in law school yeah so then our final uh on this is does this movie pass the bar Our scores from zero to 100 uh, passing the bar is an average of over 50 uh, Spencer what what
1: is your score on this
0: movie
1: I, I think this movie my philosophical and thematic <laughs> critiques aside I still think it's a good movie it's a fun movie to watch uh, even if you're pulling your hair out of things at times that's <laughs> well made so like I'll give it a you know like I'll give it a 70 give it a 72, Uh, and that's me weighing into, that's the classic, uh, you know, if you're taking the bar, and the bar examiner goes, good lord, I'm disturbed by your answer to this, and how you got there, but then I check notes, well, you backed it all up, so I guess you're going to be a future uh, Supreme Court justice, welcome to the bar, Mr. Scalia, Um, like, (laughs) that's kind of how I see it, like, and the law parts are you raised some small quibbles here that are valid is that really how that's gonna go but like it's not so egregious to be like it's not like god's not dead too which
0: <laughs> which i did no legal research whatsoever
1: yeah and listener listener if you have uh skipped the god's not dead Two episode just because you saw this one be like oh i know that movie oh listen by all means go back and watch that just so you can listen it's that this was an evening's entertainment uh yeah I care a lot that's fine God's not dead too an experience it'll carry with you uh probably but yeah uh I'll give it a 72 passes the bar uh not my favorite movie in fact well, it's definitely not my favorite but uh you know I think it's good enough and uh, yeah you should watch it
0: yeah, yeah. So I came in just a little higher than you. I gave it a seventy nine. Uh, I thought it was very
1: enjoyable. such a softy with your ratings, Jesus.
0: <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed this movie, and like I said, I came at it differently from you. Where like I saw it as a clear like they're framing it that this is not a good person, and you should not be like this. And I, I and I took it as like when, when, like I said, someone watches American Psycho. There's some some people who watch that movie, and they're like. This guy's so cool. This is like a sleek, suave guy. And it's like, that's not the point. I thought that's what this was. But American Psycho, if I were to grade it, would get a much higher score than this because it wasn't executed as well. Now, I also may like this movie a lot too because I just had to watch God's Not Dead 2, where there was no thought into the screenplay or the production design. And then I went and watched this. It's true. They thought about a lot, a lot of things when they made this for like. Well, how she dresses in court compared to how she dresses in front of her clients, uh, the characterization of her vaping—just uh, there was a lot that went into this. Peter Dinklage was awesome. Diane Weist was awesome. Rosamund Pike obviously won the Golden Globe for it. elisa Gonzalez I thought was also very good. So she was
1: really good. I I, I could I couldn't place her in anything else. I thought she did a really good job.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then again, Macon Blair, I've already said, but love him. Uh, so yeah, I gave it a seventy-nine and. I, I thought it was a good, um, fun movie. It was better than a lot of Netflix movies that are out there. Oh, where, hell yeah. Hell yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, 100%.
0: You watch and you're like, that wasn't good, but I didn't pay it by a ticket to watch it. So, okay. But this one, you can be like, not only did I not buy a ticket, but I enjoyed it too. So I think that's that was a good thing. And
1: it moves quick. It's pretty. It's enjoyable to watch. Uh, moral quandaries aside. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I mean, Rosamund Pike is so cool. I mean, she is the perfect person for like a cold, conniving person like that,
1: so. Rosamund Pike's biggest roles have been this one, Amy in the, uh, uh, you know, in the Gone Girl uh, adaption. And she plays that one beautifully. But I remember watching Gone Girl being like, how do I know her elsewhere? And my first introduction to her is as Miranda Snow And I think it's the last Pierce Brosnan uh, James Bond movie by another day, the one with Halle Berry and like Halle Berry rightfully got all the plaudits for being the Bond girl in that one. But like, Oh no, no, no. It was actually Miranda snow played by a younger Rosamund Pike, like who was spoiler uh, you know, a double agent and the actual villain and she played it to its teeth. so she's very good at playing severe and scary and she will get hers. Yeah, uh, she definitely has a type at this point.
0: My first experience, embarrassingly, was I hadn't seen Die Another Day yet. My first experience was watching her as the doctor uh, or Samantha. Samantha was her name, Dr. Samantha Grimm in the Doom movie with Carl Urban and Dwayne the Rock Johnson, which not a good oh. movie, but fun. <laughs> you saw that? I saw you that. S- did you, did you love- pay money to see that? No, did you pay money? Uh, I watched it on like FX or something. Uh, but okay (laughs) but i loved the doom video game so i was like oh sweet and then i watched it and i was like even as a kid i was like not that good fun but not that good yeah (laughs) oh yeah final thoughts uh for myself good movie very enjoyable misses on some parts but a very tight movie i would encourage everyone to go see
1: my only other final thought is uh you know we have merch store so uh by all means if you want to if you want to sport your favorite least known legal podcast uh get yourself a hoodie get yourself a don't talk to cops face mask i know face masks are going out of necessity but hey you never know when the second round of roan is going to hit and we're back to this crap in six months all right so uh you know hit the merch shop see what's up uh yeah that way we're we'll at least know that uh Folks care enough to actually spend money uh, because we're not asking you to pay any money for this because it's free because we love you. So
0: yes, help me pay off my law school loans, baby.
1: All right. Mm-hmm. From us
0: here at the Legal Fiction Podcast, remember never talk to the cops, never go to law school, and none of this is legal advice.
1: Damn straight.
2: I give it all that I can. All that I- No matter what the problem, yeah, I'm on it, cuz Cause I, cuz cause cuz cause I see it, I solve it, I fix it, resolve it, no matter what the problem, I got it, yeah, I give it all that I can. Opportunities. Sometimes you gotta lose before you can win So when the going gets tough, I'm back at it again You know I see it, I solve it, I fix it, resolve it No matter what the problem, yeah I'm on it Cause I, cause I, cause I see it I solve it, I fix it, resolve it No matter what the problem, I got it, yeah I give it all that I can.